0: Hello to all the football fans and my lovely and amazing listeners and welcome back for another episode of your favourite football podcast, Gaffer's Advisor. This is your host Siddharth Kathuriya and in this episode we are going to do things a little differently from the usual episodes that we have been having. Given that the international break is still going on and the Premier League does not return for some time, I figured why not talk about something that has shocked or surprised many in and around the Premier League the Arsenal Football Club. You can talk about their past glory, their era of the invincibles, legends like Thierry Henry and Patrick Vera, their legendary manager in Arsene Wenger, or their current position in the league table that is 20th. That being said, I thought why not have some detailed insights into the club from North London from someone who has been following them since a very long time, 17 years to be exact. Please welcome, all the way from Singapore, an ardent Arsenal fan, nothing like those we get to see on AFTV, Supreet Kini. Hi Supreet, welcome to Gaffer's Advisor. It is indeed a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you have been keeping safe in these unprecedented times.
1: Uh, doing alright, uh, I guess.
0: <laughs> alright, alright. So, uh, I mean, let's not waste any more time and let's get directly into why we are here. And uh, I mean, we are we are well past match week 3 and uh, Arsenal, well, I would say not in a great position still to earn their first point, not to mention still to score their first goal in this season. I mean, how do you as a fan feel about their worst start in their history to a footballing campaign?
1: Honestly, I feel terrible. But um, that's, uh, I guess, uh, how it's been for the last few years for Arsenal. It's It's been a uh, kind of a steady decline. Uh, I would say since I would probably the last five, six years, if not, you know, taking into consideration uh, the last 18, 20 years at least, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seemed a bit anticlimactic, us losing to Brentford on opening day uh, after, you know, a few, after we actually had a few COVID cases. Uh, I think I was half expecting us to lose to Chelsea and City, though, you um, uh, you know and and our injuries then you know didn't help either uh, you know we had almost five or six players who would go into the first team uh, you know just ruled out for both the games so that didn't help at all uh, but then you know we just you know it, it seemed like we didn't even put up much of a fight against city and uh, and when you go down to uh, 10 minutes it's you know just you know uh, you know expecting the worst luckily we didn't concede eight goals like we did back in 2012 but yeah 5-0 was still a pretty bad result. I
0: mean, five nil definitely hurts a lot, but uh, I'm pretty sure five nil against City and against Brentford two nil that would hurt more, I guess. Newly promoted side, first time in the Premier League, and you know, opening day of the match week one, that's gotta stay.
1: See, surprisingly, I mean, uh, I'm I'm very objective about such things. Uh, you know, uh, a team for the playing for the first time in the Premier League, uh, it's their home ground. It's an it's an away game for Arsenal. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, our two strikers ruled out, Abameng and Lacazette. We we had a debutant in Ben White. Uh, Brentford were charged up, uh, and uh, you know, and, and it was not for a lack of effort. I thought, um, I think Brentford were, were, were just a little more charged up for the occasion, and they and they won the match two 0 And you know, uh, but that said, yeah, it was it, it was still a disappointing result. I'm not saying you know we uh, you know we deserve to get something out of the game. Uh, there's no excuses for that, but uh, yeah, I mean that I, I would say uh, you know that kind of hurt a little more than you know how uh, you know we just uh, didn't you know fail to show up against City, but Chelsea or City these days, uh, I, I honestly don't go into the match expecting any any sort of result. So uh, yeah, I mean that that kind of explains you know why I felt bad after the Brentford defeat.
0: I mean, that heartbroken are you uh, that you don't go into games with against uh, Chelsea and City expecting any kind of result? I mean, really, is that the situation of any average Arsenal fan given these times?
1: It is. It is. I mean, wow. I cannot remember the last time we, uh, I mean, it, at least in away games, I cannot remember when Arsenal won against a top six opposition. We defeated United nil, or, you know, 1 0 last season, and before that, the, the other result was 2 uh, 0 at City in 2015. Uh, between that, I don't think we won away from home against the top six. Okay, at, at, at home, I think we've, we've done reasonably yeah, well.
0: At home, you've yeah. done reasonably well, especially against United. I remember some matches you uh, you know, uh, winning against Manchester United yeah, at home.
1: But uh, right. and against City, sorry, sorry to cut you there, but against yeah. City, I mean, uh, uh, just before the match, they, they showed the statistic about Arsenal's. Um, you know, recent form against City. 11 matches, I mean, at least the last 11 matches, it was 9 losses and, you know, wow. 1 win. So, that's that's a pretty terrible record and, that, you know, that's that's it... all, all one-sided.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you mentioned the uh, debutant Ben White against Brentford and how Brentford was charged up for the occasion. I mean, definitely, they wanted to stake their claim of belonging in the Premier League having earned that promotion. I mean, I can understand them being charged up and you having the debutant and Ben White and, you know, but... Uh, players like uh, Young and Lacazette missing out. I can understand all that. But still, uh, how would you rate the transfer window that Arsenal has had at the start of the season? I mean, six players at least have come in, uh, mm-hmm. including a 50 million signing. That is Ben White. And yep. uh, you also got Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid again, 30 million transfer. How would you rate that transfer window considering uh, clubs like Chelsea, clubs like Manchester United, clubs like uh, even Manchester City? have spent less than Arsenal in this window.
1: Um, that's a good question. Our transfer business over the last few seasons has been pretty, I would say, shambolic. Uh, we've bought in players who haven't suited to our system. We've kept players for too long and struggled to sell them on at the right time. Uh, and that kind of culminated in this transfer window. Um, you know, we had a lot of players on our uh, on our uh, squad. If you remember, uh, you know, even last season that we couldn't even include. Mesut Ozil in the in the Premier
0: League. Yeah. Uh, I I, like. I remember uh, Mesut Ozil had a pretty rough time last season at Arsenal. Yeah. yeah,
1: Imagine he, you being a World Cup winner, one of the world's best playmakers, and then you're told you're you're going to train with the train and play with the reserve squad. Right? That's uh, that that, yeah. that's and gonna be hard. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we moved on from that. Uh, I mean, but again, last season, I mean, the number of players we had on our roster, uh, just surplus to requirements, you know, players like Socrates and, uh, you know, Kolasinac, Villian. I mean, we signed on Villian. He didn't perform. I mean, I can go on and on. uh, You know, just a ton of players who, you know, weren't good enough. uh, And in this transfer window, I think a lot of focus was to not only, uh, you know, get rid of a few players uh, or at least send them out on loan uh, and sign players who at least a manager or the you know technical director think will suit to our style right so yeah i mean we may have spent a lot but if you again consider it we've actually spent it on spent it on about six players uh, yep. united yep. have probably spent that same amount uh, on varan sancho and ronaldo uh, to sign two or three players and Oof. the difference between these clubs is arsenal needed uh, you know to so arsenal needed to build or rather arsenal needed to kind of rebuild a lot of their uh, positional uh, positions Whereas you know clubs like Chelsea and United are a little, I mean they're they're far far ahead in terms of their uh, you know squad development, and they just needed two or three players to complement their existing squad, right? So that's that's been the major difference. Uh, I mean, I if you that. ask me, what, how how would I rate the transfer window? I, I would say somewhere around uh, seven seven point five, uh, primarily wow. because uh, I think we've we've signed some quality young players. Uh, you know, Ben White. Is probably,
0: I I, I, agree. Yeah. I agree on the youth part. Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah, Odegaard is uh, 22, 23. I think I think he's going to be a, a good player. I mean, a big player for Arsenal. Uh, we've got Lokonga. He's 21. He was captain of Ondelek. Uh, Nuno Tavares is 21. Uh, he's he's come from Benfica. All uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, there is uh Tomiyasu. He's a Japanese right back. Um, he's come from Bologna. He's played. He's, he's made 60 appearances for in the Syria, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a lot. And there's Aaron Ramsdale. Obviously, he's got. Um, I mean, he's Definitely. just 23, and he's he's the youngest keeper with the most uh, first team appearances across Europe. Yeah, that's so a trivia he, fact I get on. Yeah, I mean, I actually read about it just yesterday. He's, he's actually had more minutes than Donnarumma. Uh, he's he's still a young keeper. He's 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 talented and. Uh, the hope is that he takes over from Leno maybe in a season or two, uh, when you know Leno's contract comes to uh, uh, comes, comes to an end, right? So you're not uh, you're not
0: hoping that uh, Leno would sign an extension. I mean, he has been uh, doing great job. He has been doing a great job with Arsenal.
1: He has been doing a great job primarily because our defense uh, has been horrible. So it seems like the goalkeeper. <laughs> has to pull in that's, all these safes because uh, you know, the I, I guess that's almost,
0: uh, that's almost like the case of uh, David De Gea and Manchester United a couple of seasons back.
1: That's right, right. And uh, I, I wouldn't say he's been an outstanding keeper. He's He's been pretty solid at times and last season we had to take the decision between Emmy Martinez and Leno. I personally thought Martinez was a better keeper uh, even though he just, you know, he, he played just like 15-16 games for the club. Either you keep uh, Martinez and make him number one, and uh, which meant Leno had to move out. Or you keep yep. Leno, who's made over 80, 90 appearances for the club, and move up, move on Martinez, uh, you know, who was in demand. Aston Villa were willing to offer 20 million, and we had to take that hard decision. Uh, Martinez was moved on, and there have been rumors about Leno not being entirely happy with, uh, you know, uh, playing out from the back. Uh, he was bought in uh, because he was primarily a, sh- uh, you know, a solid shortstopper. Uh, but the the way Arsenal have you know have changed, uh, where they start playing out from the back, that doesn't really suit uh, Leno's style. It probably suits you know a few keepers like maybe Edison or Allison. But Leno doesn't seem to be the keeper who uh, likes playing that way. Right? Yeah. So I mean, there have been rumors that you know he's not entirely content and he's he's looking for a move. Um, so yeah, uh, Ramsdale probably uh, a young keeper who who we think can you know just uh, take over from him.
0: So, you were uh, talking about uh, this, uh, this uh, Bernd Leno not being happy with the uh, tactic of playing out from the back, he's a shortstopper and uh, you also mentioned about how uh, over the past few seasons uh, you have been getting in the signings, uh, there have been surplus amount of players mm-hmm. in the squad yeah. and uh, it has all come down to you know uh, players not gelling or you know uh, not suiting the managerial style or something like that. So I mean, how do you see these current new players, the new signings that have come in? How do you see them settling in? I mean, uh, any any kind of uh, prediction or something like yeah. that on on the playing time these young players will be having?
1: See, I mean, Arsenal have traditionally been a four four two club. We moved on from four four two to four five one during the Wenger years, at least the last few years. Uh, Unai Emery tried to maintain that style, not very successfully. And when Mikel Arteta came in, he had five or six months to fix that and we were in the middle of an FA Cup run so what arteta did was he uh, reverted to a 2 three central defenders uh, and yep. with two flying fullbacks, backs uh, uh, with a little uh, bit of space for a, de- a defensive midfielder or two and and that kind of worked for us in games against chelsea and city in the you know when we won the FA Cup right but obviously yep. these are cup games you cannot play that formation that works in one of games in a 38 game league season and expect that to work, right? Which is why I mean, I definitely think, 38 yeah. settles
0: in, players do get injured over exactly. a period of time. Yeah. All those facts all the things factor in. So yes, I mean maintaining the same formation, that same exhausting yeah. formation I would say. Uh, gets yeah. a little tough over a period of like 10 months or so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that 352 formation was I mean he implemented it for a short time because he knew Arsenal didn't have the same quality as Chelsea or City, but to beat them he knew that this formation will work. You see, our goals against Chelsea at City, both of them are counters, where we have a Pepe uh, or or Hector Bellerin making a run, and yep. uh, you know just finding Aubameyang, who scored, who ended up scoring all four goals. Uh, you know when we won the semi-final and the final. I mean, see, you. There's one thing about having a formation, and there's one thing about having the kind of players to uh, you know work up to it. And last season, we relied a lot on uh, you know two or three players. I would say uh, one was and Tierney. We relied. A lot on uh, Bukayo Saka. We relied to some a certain extent on Emil Smithro, uh, who actually started playing a lot of games uh, in the middle of the season because our strikers up front weren't performing.
0: I was I was gonna mention that that uh, you you mentioned Aubameyang scoring all four goals in your semifinal and the final of the FA Cup. Yeah, but uh, I remember him being out of form and uh, you know not uh, yeah. finding the back of the net quite often in the league.
1: Exactly. I mean, he's, on an average, he's a thirty-goal a season striker. He ended up scoring just ten goals. Out of which three goals came in one match. You know he scored a hat trick against Leeds. So the rest of the season was pretty woeful. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I mean we didn't. We really didn't have the personal, uh, You know last season. Uh, uh, you know we we had a lot of games. We we were in. The, we went all the way to the Europa League semi final. Uh, this season I think uh, it's it's not going to be easy either. Uh, but luckily we don't have Europe any European distractions. It's just thirty eight league games and whatever comes in the. Uh, EFL AFL Cup and, and the FA Cup. Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, what that means is, I think it will give the players a lot more time to uh, work through their tactics, uh, work through playing a specific formation, uh, and uh, you know, getting their uh, drills right. But obviously, I'm not expecting any wonders. I don't see us, uh, you know, finishing anywhere above the top five or six. I mean, my my most optimistic prediction for this season is either sixth or seventh. You guys
0: finished eighth in the last season. Uh, again, with, with Europa League being there and uh, mm. the fatigue settling in and everything mm. and uh, your prediction is 6 or 7 this this time uh, yeah. without European distractions with uh, new young players coming in yeah. so I mean, even with the with, the, with the spare bit of time that you have uh, to work mm. out the drills as you mentioned and uh, for the players to see what kind of tactics suits them uh, for Mikel mm. Aiteta to uh, uh, basically come around with some formations with some tactics that actually fit the new players that have come in so that they can have a yeah. better impact than, you know, uh, earlier signings have been having at Arsenal. Yeah. Even all these things considered, you're still uh, predicting 6th or 7th place finish for Arsenal?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm being very uh, optimistic. See, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, the top 4, I think, is already it's out of question. Chelsea, City, United and Liverpool are just too strong. Um, and I think we are competing with clubs like Spurs, uh, who I think are at the moment
0: a bit stronger than us. Spurs yeah. are your local rivals and they are actually currently sitting at the top of the league table. Three yeah, wins yeah. from three matches. Yeah. I mean, all 1-0 results mm-hmm. but uh, I think Nuno Espirito Santo is uh, having a gala time at Spurs right now. Harry Kane started just their third match. He did not even start the first two games. That's right. Uh, they are mm-hmm. keeping Harry Kane this season uh, with mm-hmm. the rumours going on that he would be leaving. heung Min Son has been leading the attack quite well and uh, I mean, <laughs> So talking about Tot- Tottenham and Arsenal, you are at at poles end, like extreme ends of the league table. Mm, yeah, and, and still mentioning that you're competing with clubs like Spurs, I I don't think Spurs are uh, Spurs are challenging for top four this season. I feel they are, season. but
1: I, I still think uh, I think they don't have enough to be get into the top four. I think uh, I mean, like I mentioned, the top four teams are at the moment uh, slightly a notch above the rest. Which is why I think um, Spurs will, summer, I mean, I, I'm just uh, saying Spurs because I think they'll finish fifth. And I'm saying Leicester, Arsenal and West Ham will probably compete it out for the sixth, seventh, eighth spots. And I think Arsenal will either finish sixth or seventh. Alright, alright.
0: So, you see Arsenal doing uh, better than at least West Ham or Leicester. At least one of them Yeah, getting,
1: getting a European spot, I think, has to be um, a you top know, has priority. To be, it has to be a priority for us.
0: But uh, talking about the top 4 finishes, I mean 2015-16 was the last time Arsenal finished in the top 4 of the Premier League and uh, it was under your longest-serving manager Arsene Wenger, the great man. Hmm. I mean after that, the club has been seeing turmoil like you mentioned, like it has been a steady spiral downward and it it actually started during Wenger's Wenger's tenure itself. We remember seeing fans holding the placards with Wenger out, Wenger out in every single Arsenal match. Mm. He was replaced by Unai Emery, who did not last a very long time. Mikel Arteta took took charge after him. Mm. But, I mean, still the turmoil continues. Um, There have been signings that have been coming in. Mikel Arteta has had some time now, but still the spiral hasn't stopped. So, do you see any turnaround anytime soon? Like, when can we see Arsenal back in contention, not just for the top four, but for the title picture?
1: That's a hard question, but I, I I would say not not for the next two or three seasons at least. I mean, to finish at the very top of the Premier League table, you need to finish in the top four, and unless we do that for a consistent two seasons, I don't see us really challenging for for the title, right? And you mentioned yeah. two thousand fifteen, yep. sixteen. That that seems like a really long time ago. We finished second. Uh, I mean, as much as I adore Arsenal, uh, as much as I adore Arsene Wenger, I think um, you know when we had the chance. Cha- sign Jurgen Klopp. I think in 2014, we should have gone for it. Uh, You know, Wenger oversaw Arsenal Arsenal through a very tumultuous phase. The reason for that is we made a a stadium move that actually set us back a few years. And this was at the time when, uh, you know, Arsenal were competing for top honours not only in the Premier League but in Europe, right? But we had to make that hard decision for the longer, uh, you know, for the long-term benefit of the club. And that meant, uh, you know, us having to sell our best players constantly for the next few seasons in order to recoup that money and, uh, you know, pay the interest for all the loans that we had taken in order to build that stadium. And that that period lasted about seven, eight seasons. Uh, We had the trophy-less run, you know, which coincided with that. That didn't help either between 2005 and 2014. Uh, I think when Arsene Wenger won the FA Cup, I was half thinking that, you know, He's probably going to leave, and that is probably a good time to bring in some change at the club, in the management of the club. Uh, Jürgen Klopp was there for the taking, and you know Klopp is a kind of manager who demands a lot out of his players. Back I mean, the, the
0: turnaround has had under Jürgen Klopp, that's yeah. commendable.
1: And Arsenal at that time were, uh, I mean, yes, we we had Sain Ozil and we had signed Özil, and we we had signed Sanchez, and all these world-class players, but. Um, Arsenal's style of football was still very predictable, uh, you know, the style of football that we had, uh, you know, players, um, you know, rather teams across the Premier League called us soft, uh, you know, we we weren't really up for a fight in a lot of games and that was true, right? Uh, and that kind of also spiraled down to us losing a lot of games and, and you know, not being able to compete in the top four. Um, I would say our, our, our football didn't didn't really evolve with how the Premier League did yes uh, i mean premier league
0: uh, went from a league that had uh, teams like blackburn blackpool teams like qpr and right now it is it is one of the fastest leagues in, in all of your, all of the europe i think
1: exactly and, and 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 in the meanwhile clubs like chelsea or city uh, you know they just seem to have endless amount of uh, money that they could throw at problems and, and bring in players that would uh, you know bring I mean, in world class players
0: all know the reason behind where that money comes from, so let's not get into that. But, yeah, but
1: I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to articulate. I what get I that, is, right? So I mean, yeah, we, uh, we, we did have Stan Kroenke who came in 2008. I think he took complete shareholding uh, powers of the club somewhere. I think between 2015 and 2018. Like I said, I think uh, Arsene Wenger stayed for at least uh, three or four seasons more than probably uh, what he should have. Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really in the you know Wenger out brigade, uh, but I wasn't really in the you know uh, support Arsenal brigade either.
0: The writing was on the wall for Wenger. I mean, he just took a bit long to see it. The Arsenal board, I think, uh, failed to see the writing on the wall by giving the mm-hmm. contract extension to Wenger and not uh, going for the likes of Jurgen Klopp, like you mentioned.
1: Exactly. Uh, we we did miss a chance to sign someone that would uh, you know bring in a new you know some sort of fresh uh, thinking into the team and the club. Uh, but anyways, when when Wenger did decide to leave, I think we made. Uh, I wouldn't say the best decision. Uh, I I wouldn't say uh, it was uh, you know Unai Emery's fault, or it was a bad managerial decision. I don't think he's a bad manager. If he was a bad manager, he wouldn't have won the Europa League so many times, or he wouldn't have uh, you know uh, been taking clubs like Sevilla and Villarreal into Europe. Exactly. Season, exactly. Basis. He's
0: he's been doing that right now.
1: Yeah so um yeah i mean uh, I, I just think he wasn't the right choice primarily because he struggled to communicate with the players he was he, he never ended up speaking good english right till the end of his tenure we should have bought in up a you know a manager who was well versed in the premier league someone even like uh, probably antonio conte or someone like that but uh, we went to dunai umri which was a little bit of a strange choice given he wasn't in the running for a long long time
0: uh, there was a run
1: i mean we ended up you know there was a 22 game unbeaten run but eventually it just fizzled out um and the replacement was Mikel Arteta uh and everyone including me was a bit surprised because i thought now is the time where we'll go and get someone like a Max Allegri or uh you know mm-hmm. a lot yep. more someone who's a lot more experienced but then uh you know we everyone knew that Arteta has worked uh you know with Guardiola in the man man city backroom staff he is uh, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot of chatter about how high Guardiola holds him in his regard and.
0: Plus, yes, Militao is uh, fairly young right now, so I think uh, yeah. his flamboyance and you know uh, the, the aggression and the passion that comes with the youth can exactly. certainly work for Arsenal, I think, in this scenario.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not really been an easy ride for him, and there are several reasons why. I mean, I can articulate them uh, some at least some of them what i think one is our contract management has been terribly uh, you know it's been terribly poor uh, over the seasons we have struggled to sell players at the right time the the la- the biggest two transfer fees that arsenal have you know been able to get is for evobi that's about 28 30 million to everton and chamberlain which was about 35 million um compare that to you know say a chelsea who have been you know they've been doing a lot of great business in fact their net net spend is in in the positive which means yep. that they've been selling a lot more uh than they've been buying right uh, and that's just smart business um that is that so is that 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 boils down to a lot of things one is ownership uh, again see i'm not here to uh, tell the Kronkies are bad or tell the Kronkies are good if the Kronkies were really bad uh would they have been okay spending so much cash uh, during the transfer window and just uh, you know, if they were if they were really bad owners, they would have just uh, shut the shut their suitcases and said, you know, deal with the squad and uh, get us a Europe European finish. But they have been reasonable. They, I think, they've spent a lot of money. They've bought in players like Thomas Partey last season for 45, Ben White, Odegaard, a lot of big big transfer fees that over the last couple of seasons. That is true. I mean,
0: uh, the uh, the owners have been spending uh, money for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. They have been putting in the investment. Yeah. Uh, the players have been coming in, but again, it all boils down to the quantity versus quality debate.
1: That's actually a very good point you make. Uh, so that's actually what I was talking about next. One is obviously it boils down from from the very top. Uh, while the ownership has somewhat stabilized now, you know the club in general has been going through a sea of transition, uh, and it's not just because uh, you know uh, of Arsene Wenger leaving. Obviously, when a person like Arsene Wenger has been around the club for 18 years, knows the club inside out. leaves there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, instability. Uh, I think uh, similar to what oh, happened when Alex a, left United. Definitely, definitely. That's a huge yeah. hole to
0: fill in. That's that. Those exactly. are some huge shoes. Yeah,
1: and so. what what happened at that time was, see, Wenger was um, obviously manager of the club, and we had a CEO called Ivan Gazidis. If you if you remember, he's he's actually the equivalent of. Uh, Ed Woodward at United. United, But
0: Ed Woodward is also leaving now. Manchester United.
1: Got it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Gazidis also left at the exact same time as Wenger. I mean, Wenger and Gazidis had built in a football structure that worked for us for a few years, even though it did not produce the results. But then that completely started breaking up. What happened then was uh, Arsenal started to build around, uh, you know, a a structure where uh, rather Gazidis had actually started to put this in place where he started hiring a lot of departmental heads, instead of Arsene Wenger who who liked taking control of everything. Uh, and uh, that, that thing just fell apart in 2020 when Arsenal had to cut a lot of jobs due to uh, the COVID situation. The pandemic, yes. yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm.
0: then again, with the evolving uh, uh, that we have seen in the Premier League, a lot of clubs are going for separate departmental heads. I mean, uh, a yeah. post like director of football or the sporting director. Exactly. It, yeah. Used to be unheard of times, you know, where when uh, yeah. the likes of Wenger and Ferguson ran the league. Yeah. But uh, director of uh, football or the sporting director mm. is, is an integral part of a club. Exactly. I mean, you need separate it departmental is. heads yeah. for. Well, I mean, there are strikers, uh, coaches. There are uh, there are defending right. coaches, there are goalkeeping coaches, and uh, yeah. given the scenario, it is it is something that you cannot just avoid anymore. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And it's a good thing. Uh, the the point I'm trying to make here is. Uh, Arsenal uh, did have all of that in place, but uh, I mean, I was just going, I mean, I was just making a list before the podcast and I was kind of looking at the backroom changes that Arsenal have uh, made. It's almost about 20 changes, 2021 uh, people who have come in and gone out uh, and I'll just name out a few if I I can. One is, uh, there was Darren Burgess, head of Elite Performance. He was part of Arsene Wenger's team. He left in 2019. There was a goalkeeping coach, Sal Bibbo, who left after five years. Chris Morgan, he was a physio. There was Marcel Lackerson, um, he was head of player development. He, he left in 2020, October. Uh, there was Huss Pami, he was head of contract negotiations. He left in October 2020 and was replaced by the Cronkies lawyer. Uh, I think his wow. name is Tim Lewis, right? Wow. There, is, fact, uh, Francis, yeah, there is Francis Kagigao. he was actually one of, uh, you know, he's been at Arsenal for a long, long time. He left in September 2020. Uh, There is Rahul Sanlehi, who I thought was a bit shady, Uh, he was actually, yeah, uh, he was in the backroom staff along with Vinay Venkatesham, Uh, Sanlehi left after two years in 2020, August, I think he did a lot of shady deals at Arsenal, even Gazitis obviously left in 2018.
0: That is a lot of turmoil, that is a high amount of attrition rate, I mean, you cannot just pin that down on the COVID pandemic situation, like you said, uh, many of the staff was cut down because of that such high amount of attrition has to be you know attributed to some other factors
1: exactly I mean, you asked me a question which which seemed uh you know a little one-dimensional but it's very hard to pin more pinpoint, it's not, it's, you know, what's, yeah. what's wrong see uh, there's there's a lot of things that have gone down and it's very hard to state you know who is responsible but obviously it boils down from the top uh, i think uh, the cronkies need to get their shit in order i would say there's, there's been a lot of backroom changes and these backroom changes are not going to help anyone it's not going to help the players it's not going to help the manager if the manager needs to talk to someone who he, if he wants to buy a player uh, he needs to have someone to talk to over a constant basis and not see a new face every few months right and that's that's what's been happening um you know uh, edu is obviously now technical director uh, and previously it was two or three different people um, and this these changes have obviously not helped so yeah uh, if you ask me, what's the factor? What's what's the reason for the decline? I think it's it's got to be all of this, uh, you know, the points that I mentioned, uh, oh, us not making the, the right managerial changes, us not handling contracts at the right time, uh, too many uh, backroom changes, uh, you know, not not uh, you know making the right squad squad decisions when it when it mattered, right? And that's that's exactly why you know the club is where we are at at the bottom of the Premier League, and it's just been a steady decline.
0: Remembering back 2003-4 uh, season, the Invincibles, and 2021-22 uh, season, bottom of the league table, losing to Brentford on the opening day. Uh, definitely, you cannot pin the blame on just one factor. There have been several things going down the club. But uh, let's move on to some better things. Uh, we have seen that in this transfer window, uh, Romelu Lukaku has come back to Chelsea after proving himself to be a success. Cristiano Ronaldo has returned to Manchester United as almost a legend. So, I mean, any player from Arsenal's past you would like to see uh, returning to the Emirates?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if someone could uh, get Andre's DNA and uh, make a player like (laughs) him in in his prime, I would uh, take that uh, right now. But yeah, at the moment... uh... See, honestly, uh, Lukaku it, at this point in time is a really good signing, I think, 98 million pounds or whatever he cost because he's at the prime of his game. He's, oh, yes. Uh, he is uh, obviously had a bit of an underwhelming time at United and that was due to a lot of reasons. Maybe the style didn't suit him. See, uh, the way Chelsea play, uh, Lukaku is, is uh, and, and Chelsea have always had this big striker up front be, right from the time they've had Robba, then they've had Diego Costa. Uh, Giroud oh, and Abraham for some Jiru, time. Right? Definitely.
0: Exactly. And, they do and... have Kai Havertz and Timo Werner as well, even though Timo Werner's time has not really been exactly. amazing. But yeah. Kai Havertz has, has been doing well. He was the goal scorer for them in the European final. Right.
1: Yeah. And and Lukaku just brings that uh, you know solidity. He scores a lot of goals. Uh, according to me, uh, see, um, Cristiano Ronaldo at United, uh, yes, it's good for all the nostalgia and all, but I'm honestly, uh, at the moment, uh, fifty bit, bit of 50-50 about the signing. Yes, he, I think he's going to still score, what, 15-20 goals but I'm not sure. I
0: mean, I read uh, Ole Gunnar's, uh interviews a while back uh, on Cristiano Ronaldo's return. He yeah. mentioned that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is a player you cannot bench.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, Ronaldo so... scored, what, 35-36 th- goals for Juventus. I think he's still going to fire in a lot of goals and I think he's just going to lift up the squad so in, in that sense, I think that the, uh, signing him makes a lot of sense, but at this point, Arsenal signing an uh, you know an ex-player, I don't think so. The direction in which the club wants to move in is is build a young uh, squad uh, between uh, players of 20 to 25. Even though I would say it's not particularly been complemented with the, some with some of the decisions we've taken. For example, we had we signed Luis on a two-year transfer, couple of years uh, two-year uh, you know contract, couple of years ago. Uh, we signed Willian for a three-year deal, which, which didn't make any sense
0: you've had a, you've done a lot of business with chelsea be it uh, yeah. louise and be, yeah. it, we, uh, we, Giroud, be it yeah we are, actually, we are
1: actually we're actually pretty good at signing chelsea's rejects so <laughs> uh yeah we've signed better we've signed uh you know the players you mentioned in the past we've signed united's rejects as well we've signed mikhail silvest um you know all of these players and we've sold our best players too uh, you know, like Van Percy we've sold, we've sold Giroud, who ended up scoring oh, the definitely. Europa League final uh, in, in the Europa League, like League final against us. I'm pretty sure Manchester United still
0: thanks you for Van Percy. I mean, their league title number 20 was all due to that guy.
1: Yeah, you don't have to remind me of that. Um, yeah. So see, I mean, I, I don't honestly want anyone. Um, I mean, I, I think we have enough in the squad right now to uh, you know take it from here and you know just okay. you know try and try okay. and. Uh,
0: Finish in the top six. So, so no blast from the past for Arsenal. But uh, talking about your current squad, like you say, you have a lot of players in the squad currently. Uh, which player, which one player, or you know, one or two players, you would see having the most impact on performances this season? I mean, do you have any one or two names who, uh, in your opinion, you know, rise up as the marquee player for Arsenal?
1: That's a bit of a hard question. I would say there are a few. Uh, in defense, I think uh, uh, Kieran Tierney is going to be a very important player, uh, primarily because uh, last season he was one of our best attacking players, and he's a left back. And someone mm-hmm. else, I would say, is either Emil Smithrow or uh, Bukayo Saka. Um, I think, uh, and even or even Martin Odegaard. So one of these three players is has to drive our game from uh, midfield, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, be a little more creative, get us those chances that we so desire and get us a lot of creativity in the middle of the park.
0: I mean, definitely high hopes uh, from a young gun like Bukayo Saka. I mean, we saw him in the Euro Cup for England
1: yeah.
0: and uh, the lad was on fire, I mean, barring the penalty in the final. Except for that, yeah. the lad showed potential and, uh, you know, he showed why he's been dubbed as the next big, big thing in the in the English football. Yeah. So Bukayo Saka, definitely, I agree with you. Emil Smithrow as well. We saw him last season. He has been having an amazing time. Kieran Tierney again last season, and as well as in the Euros this season. The that's guy right. is definitely, definitely on the rise. I mean, that's why I mean uh, during this entire time uh, while covering the matches, and you know, while I was talking about the Premier League before it before the season began, I've been talking about scattered moments of brilliance, which uh, have been on display by Mikel Arteta's side, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, scattered here and there sometimes and uh, like you said that Arsenal has uh, a surplus of players so they do not have any you know any position where they have a lacking in terms of players. They have players in all the departments and they have some names who can be really brilliant on any given day. I mean yeah. single-handedly players who can win the match for their side on any given day if they want. Hmm. So considering all this and considering the current form, I mean, you still see Arsenal finishing out around 6th and 7th top four not a possibility
1: <laughs> top four definitely not a possibility but i i i i i would say i'm optimistic about the season uh, because uh, the season has not yet started the season is going to start against norwich i'm i'm, I'm just going to forget the first three games <laughs> i think it was, i think it was just uh, pre-season
0: 35 league games still to go we are still pretty pretty young in the season so uh, just to start Oh. Yeah that's
1: right and uh, the first three games injuries covid uh, it, it just wasn't right for us uh, but i think uh, starting the game against norwich i think uh, we have 35 games to put that right i think we'll finish in the top 6 uh, if not the top 7 and and still qualify for europe and ho- and no. hopefully have some sort of a run in the um, you know one
0: of the cups that being said what exactly do you think is the missing ingredient for arsenal this season that would uh, you know if it comes around will take them to the top four what can be that I mean, one or two things something missing
1: missing ingredient I would say uh, you know uh, the right attitude all right yeah so uh, the, 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 the new players is I think uh, last season we we ended up losing like 11 games uh, that's the worst uh, that's been at least our worst form in the Premier League and uh, we, we just didn't show up for many games. We need to buck up and uh, you know, uh, win these games uh, and I mean, there's no excuse to lose to teams like Brentford or Burnley anymore. Um, we should be winning these games uh, and uh, that's, that's how we're going to finish in the top six, at least.
0: Alright, let's say God forbid if this current trend continues for Arsenal, I mean if the new signings do not fire and some unforeseen things happen. Like, yeah. you know, you can never predict injuries. There are always international breaks and uh, players do get injured in the in the international breaks. So, these things happen. So, let's say, if, if the trend continues for Arsenal and the performances do not pick up, like you say, your season is going to start against Norwich. So, if that doesn't happen, how long do you see Mikel Eteta keeping his job as the top man at Demirits?
1: I think if uh, we do not, Finish in the, uh, you know, in the European spots. I think it's uh, time to say goodbye and uh, probably get in someone like Conte, who's going to, uh, you know, bring in some discipline at the back and uh, make us a li- make us a lot more solid. Uh, but then again, I'm I'm just being I'm just being speculative. I I think if we don't finish in the, in an European position, I think we are we're going to let um, Arteta go and bring in someone else.
0: So, I mean, you are still willing to give data si- uh, time till the end of the season? I mean, not waiting till Christmas time around to see how the players perform and maybe decide on some winter signings?
1: Time till end of the season. Uh, lesser time in case, uh, you know, we are still languishing in the relegation zone.
0: I'll come to this last question to you. Apart from winning the Premier League title and being the top side, what is your one wish this season, current season, or Arsenal football club as a fan as a as a long time ardent fan this season
1: or in general
0: this season first and then you can go on in general as well
1: this season i think it's uh, it's pretty simple uh, finish in a uh, european spot i'm not expecting the club to win the premier league <laughs> at least for the i mean, next I mean few yeah, yeah yeah that, that that is something that
0: every every person wishes for their football football club to win the league and be the top club and you know yeah. enjoy all the honors and everything but apart from that, just the top six is your At the dream? Moment, yeah, with...
1: A top six and a good run in, the, in one of the cups, hopefully, winning the EFL Cup or the FA Cup.
0: Alright. And in general, uh, like where would you like to see Arsenal in general, back in like for to, Europe?
1: In general, I would like to see Arsenal winning the Champions League before I die.
0: Hopefully that will happen. Barcelona has lost its oomph in the recent times. They have lost Suarez, they have lost Neymar, they have lost Messi. Uh, Griezmann has gone back to uh, Atletico. Bayern, uh, they won the Champions League last to last season, but I don't think they are going to be back in that picture for at least a couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, but uh, you're talking about now, right? Arsenal need to qualify for the Champions League
0: now. What I'm saying that these clubs, these clubs have been uh, Arsenal's bogey teams when it comes to the European Championship. Bayern and Barcelona. I
1: think I think our, our bogey teams are not these. I think our bogey team is Arsenal themselves. We we manage to <laughs> shoot ourselves in the foot uh, more often than not. So I don't think these are our bogey clubs. <laughs> I think we, we ourselves <laughs> manage to uh, you know shoot ourselves in the foot most of the time. But yeah, I think. Uh, uh, you know, if, if a team like Chelsea who were non-existent before 2000 or were irrelevant can ma- manage to win two Champions Leagues, uh, I mean, oh, I definitely. definitely think Arsenal deserve to have one Champions League in their uh, honours list.
0: I mean, definitely. Let's uh, hope the fortunes turn around for Arsenal Football Club. Even though I am personally not an Arsenal fan, but uh, seeing them at the 20th spot in the Premier League, that, that hurts, to be honest. I mean, uh, Arsenal has very rich history and a very rich heritage and those kind of things, well, a club with that many accolades, a club with that much of honours does not deserve to sit at 20th position, certainly does not deserve what is happening right now, so uh, hoping for a change in fortunes, hoping for a turnaround, hoping Mikel Arteta can do some wonders with the club if not a replacement. So, uh, yeah, definitely hoping for a turnaround in performances after the international break. Uh, As you very well mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. like your season starts against Norwich. So, uh, I would like to say all the best uh, for the remaining of the season, for the upcoming games, for the EFL Cup, for the FA Cup. And hope to see Arsenal contesting in the top four position. It will be good to have a rival back. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much, Supreet, for giving us this time today. It has been a pleasure talking to you today. It has been lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much and uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the season, again. And if you are a fan of Fantasy Premier League, then uh, wish you best of luck for that as well.
1: Uh, Yeah, For Fantasy uh, uh, Premier League, uh, one pro tip for anyone who is listening to the podcast, uh, don't select any Arsenal defenders.
0: So that was Supreet, a hardcore Arsenal fan, sharing his thoughts and shedding some light on the hows and the whys behind the decline in the only club to have been invincible in a Premier League season. Wise words coming from him, wanting to create the first three games as the pre-season. However, same can be said about Wolves, who are also in the same boat, wanting to get off the mark this season. Big weekend coming up in the Premier League following the international break. UEFA Champions League also kicks off in the coming week, so all in all, important days are still to come, much like Supreet mentioned, the season is just getting started. So stay tuned to your favourite football podcast, Gaffer's Advisor, and get all the updates and match analysis for the Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. Do not forget to follow the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Anchor. And if you like what you listen, do share it with your friends and your footballing circle. Until next time, this is your host and gaffer's advisor, Siddharth Kathuria signing off and wishing you all good health and a great upcoming weekend.